Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is the Python Community News, the show that wants to bring the latest uh, news happening around the Python community uh, to you. I am one of your hosts, Jay, and with me, as always, is... I'm John. Hey, John. How's it going? Good. How are you doing, Jay? Good. We've been working, trying to get websites and stuff happening, and I don't know if you noticed, but uh, the 24th came and went and there, there's a new python out and you know in my job that means i got a lot of testing to do yeah definitely um so you uh recently had an article come out about this yeah and, uh, I, uh, I, I definitely want to hear you you talk a bit about you know what what this release process entailed and 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 how uh i guess how the, the rest of us uh you know, can can continue on with uh, how do we, how we get the latest and greatest in Python. So yeah, uh, as you mentioned, I did do an article that was talking about. See, now you got me wanting to go like find the the link for it and everything. Um, the, the rollout of three eleven, at least from the the side of the faster C Python team, we actually talked about them recently in. Uh, one of the episodes, one of the previous episodes. Uh, yeah, they uh, they published, a, or uh, I, I guess Guido published a, a a document for like here's what's coming in three twelve. Um, so this is sort of the, the 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 first steps to to make all of that possible. Right? Yeah, um, you're gonna have to pause one second because I can't share my screen. Apparently, uh, the browser is very upset with me right now. So give me one second. Well, while we wait for for Jay to come back, um, you know, if if you're already working on three eleven, if you're in, in in the chat here, um, you know, let us know if you've found anything that's broken, uh, how to uh, and and how you're going about getting those uh, those libraries upgraded and compatible. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. This is I've, I'm expecting stuff today and I had to unplug things and stuff's all wild. But uh, yeah, so I did this interview. I interviewed everybody on the team, uh, the Faster C Python team. Well, I was, except for I think like one person. Uh, we were in like constant communication going back and forth on this. And ultimately, I got to learn a little bit about like kind of the initiative behind building this team, putting it all together. And then finally, just the the understanding of why, like, why is this, why is it important to have a team? Is it important to have a team? Is it dangerous to have a team? Like there, there's a lot of questions that, that people have, obviously, you know, some folks are afraid of like company interest and, and things like that happening. But ultimately all of the conversations that were had uh, with the actual engineers were very excited because, I mean, you're talking, you're not talking about like, folks who have just gotten out of college, you're often talking about, you know, a few people who have been working on Python for, I mean, Guido's there. So like since its inception, but then like also folks who have been working on it for over a decade that went from working on it, maybe in their off time or working on it one day a week to it being their sole commitment. And I think that there's, there's something to say about that. Uh, and, and currently uh, I think the community has been overwhelmingly positive on it. I think this week it was in, it's like in the top five posts on Reddit right now, or in like r slash Python. Um, and, you know, I've gotten a lot of really good compliments about just the overall conversation that was had. Uh, it's a good read. Uh, I, at least I think so. I, I got to deal with all the comments that 
I came in. This was definitely a collaborative effort. Uh, everybody that was interviewed got to see this and got to to explain how I was uh, not misquoting, but uh, people people don't like it when you say Python is faster by specifically this much. They're like, well, let's approximately and tests and in these environments and things. Um, but yeah, this was a great topic and I'm promoting all of this just to say that Python 3.11 is out now. Uh, John, I think I came back in with you mentioning like, Hey, you know, test your stuff, build with it. Uh, we actually ran into a bug with some of our automation stuff earlier today, or I was like trying to show John something and like, it wasn't working in 3.11 uh, and we're not sure if it's 3.11's fault or PyM's fault or homebrew's fault. It's somebody's fault, but yeah, uh, that being said, one of the things that has also kind of come out around 3.11 as well is the release of uh, a Windows dev kit for Python 3.11 ARM 60, well, not Python 3.11 ARM 64, but there's a new Windows dev kit that is designed to work on ARM 64. Um, these are relatively, you know, for a computing device, they're relatively inexpensive, they're about $600. And from there, you can you can try out things like Python for ARM, which is one of the things that did get released with Python 3.11 this year. Um, and it, not just ARM, like global ARM, but ARM specifically for Windows. Uh, I'm going to add this in here now. Uh, yeah, so you can see here you have like this Windows embeddable installer as well as this like embeddable package for arm 64 and i mean if you go down to 310 like you have a windows installer and you have an embeddable well that's 312 i'm going the wrong way uh i'm pretty sure that 310 didn't have these um yeah so 10.8 10.15 like you don't have those so I, d I don't want to talk too much about it i will say i will disclose like i'm a microsoft employee so me telling you to go out and buy one of the devices I didn't work on the device. I just know that it's designed to work with uh, ARM64 and it's designed with people who do a lot of machine learning um, and like data heavy tasks in mind. So if that's you and you want to play around with this, play around with it. There there may be bugs. I, I would say like have your employer buy this. Don't don't spend your own money. That's that that's silly. This is a dev kit, so you know, work with it in a professional setting. Um, but also as things start to pop up, uh, make sure you report them as if you were reporting a release candidate bug and, and jump into that. Um, and, and, you know, John, speaking of reporting, I, I think we can actually go into, uh, kind of the, the second topic that we have, which is, uh, Hacktoberfest is wrapping up. Uh, if you don't remember, uh, October, every October is Hacktoberfest. And because of that. Uh, we uh, encourage you to quote unquote start hacking, um, but we also encourage you to get those issues submitted. John, did you finish yours yet? I did. I think most of mine were uh, in relation Python to either news. Python community <laughs> news or uh, or another community project that I that that, that I contribute to. So, um, and I think that's you know, pretty representative of how I've contributed in, in the context of Hacktoberfest in the past as well. Right. It's, it's not this, um, you know, I'm not going out of my way. And I said this back when we talked with uh, Phoebe 
few weeks back. Um, you know, it's it's not this thing where I'm like, okay, it's October now, and I'm going to go and do this big, you know, open source contribution that uh, that that is super impactful to um, you know, a project everybody knows about. No, it's it's these little. Um, you know, a website for for our podcast or a website for, um, you know, a, a group of uh, of community organizers. Um, like th- these are the, uh, you know, conference websites. These are all the kinds of things that I end up um, uh, get, getting, you know, a T-shirt or a tree planted for. Um, so n- none of it has to be. Um, I, I think that's a maybe a sticking point for a lot of people is like, how do I get, you know, this this big uh, you, you know, this big obstacle that is a, a, an open source contribution out of the way, right. Um, doesn't have to be anything like that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I did a live stream yesterday, uh, with one of my coworkers and we talked about that. We talked about just the, like, I think there were so many PRs that I had that were like to my own code. And I was like, all right, I don't want those. I don't want those to count. Let me go and like, just find people who are missing like codes of conduct for their repos and be like, Hey, it's a little thing. It's a small gesture, but like it makes such a big statement to like people in the community who want to contribute to your code. Just having that little blurb there that says, we care about you. We're going to enforce the rules and we're going to make sure that everybody is taken care of, not just their code, but the people themselves as well. You know, people were happily, you know, I guess they were happy to be like, oh, yeah, you're you're totally right. I just didn't think about it. And then, you know, a couple of PRs later, all of a sudden I'm getting an email from Hacktoberfest saying, good job, you've you've done it. And I'm like, oh, well, sweet. Like, let's let's <laughs> go from there, I guess. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think that it's a small gesture, though. Right. Um, that, that's a that's a pretty major. Uh, change to make in a, in, in a repository. Right. Um, yeah. And. Right, maybe the existence of a of, of a document there is itself small, but um, you, you know all the weight behind it of like, yeah, we're 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 committing to enforcing these standards, right? Um, that that's that's a that's a meaningful thing. Yeah, and and not to not to you know go on about this all the stuff. If you want to see the live stream, go to my YouTube channel. It's there. Um, but one of the things that we talked about in that too was like there was a back and forth because originally I was like, well, here's a template. And the response was, well, I don't know if I can actually enforce this template. Like there, it's asking me to do things. It's asked me to give people like 30 day warnings and things like that and suspensions. And like, that's not something that I want to be open to enforcing. So then I had to like go and we were like talking about, well, like what are, what are you comfortable with? And then finding, you know, examples out there in the wild and saying, let's add this one instead. And, you know, I think that that's that's such a a key thing that's missed in terms of enforcing things, which uh, we'll talk about a little bit later when we start looking at some of like the health and safety stuff that came out this week. But yeah, I, I to me, it's, you know, your contribution needs to well, it doesn't need to be a conversation, but any contribution that starts a conversation about how someone is going to maintain their code to me is you know, a pretty big, pretty big thing. So yeah, thank you for, uh, for kind of reminding me of that. And, and I don't want to cross the streams too much. There's a, there's a video of the live stream you did yesterday, um, up on your YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, so, you know, folks who want to, who want to see all the details there, uh, can, can go and watch it. But, 
uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to all the tooling you you've committed to build for for next year's Hacktoberfest. Oh yeah, there's we've all all of the big ideas. Um, still not sure about the execution on any of those. Hey, let's change topics. Um, <laughs> this this is this is where we're gonna settle in for a while. Um, and and I definitely think that we benefit from doing a live stream. Which if you're listening to the podcast, we do a live stream every Friday, Friday at three p.m. Pacific. Uh, 6 p.m. Eastern. You can watch us on YouTube. It's on the Python Community News channel. We are working to get that subscriber count up so that we can give you a nice uh, you know, URL that you can go to. But for now, just go to YouTube, search for Python Community News. You'll find us. It's there. You'll see the logo. Um, but oh, we got... you know what, Jay, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Before we move on, uh, I do want to say um, that... right. You, you and I have completed those those Hacktoberfest PRs, but um, if somebody listening hasn't, uh, and it's before October 31st, you, you got a few more days. Yeah, you do. And you can cut your teeth on the PRs that are in all of the uh, Python community news repos. We will work with you. There are plenty of things that need to be fixed. You can, you can jump in there. And I do believe all of our repos are Hacktoberfest uh, accepted. Um, but yeah, onto the real topic. Yeah, on, onto this big topic. We would absolutely love your opinion on this. Um, the PSF has announced some health and safety guidelines that will, you know, be in effect for uh, PyCon next year, and this also goes hand in hand with DjangoCon announcing a transparency report for um, code of conduct stuff. Which, and one of those was, you know talking about folks that are you know unmasked or you know things like that so kind of enforcing those rules and on top of that oh my goodness um a new project was created called the public health pledge which uh is asking for people to commit to only attending events that meet a certain criteria uh one around diversity and inclusion but also and specifically that including people with, as it reads, disabilities, chronic illness, and caregivers. Um, so I, I will just read the, the criteria for these events. Uh, an event must have a health and safety policy. And if the policy changes, it's only strengthened and never weakened between the announcement of the event and the event itself. Um, second, the event communicates this policy on their website, in the registration flow, in speaker proposal processes, and during uh, regular events pr promoting the, the actual conference happening. And then lastly, the event policy includes active measures designed to minimize the number of participants who are infected with transmissible diseases, such as COVID-19, as well as mitigate transmission between participants. So when you do things like this, this would be including things like vaccines or boosters, um, negative test results, uh, making sure that people can attest like on site that they aren't experiencing symptoms, um, providing no question asked refunds and also providing multiple modes of participation. So I'm guessing some type of virtual, um, option for them. And then also some masking policies and as well as some air ventilation and purification policies as well. So, uh, John, we, we were talking about this and, and, and you said, and I quote, this is an area that is especially important to me. 
Uh, so I'm I'm going to be quiet for a few minutes and and let you you talk this out. Uh, yeah, I think I said personal, um, n- not important, which doesn't mean they're not both true. But um, you know, the, the the reason I said personal is right. I spend a lot of my time working on events. Right? Um, it's it, it's you know I, I I used to organize a lot of meetups. Um, I I still organize. Uh, a conference and volunteer for uh for a number of others so uh it, it's it, it's a thing that i i pour a lot of my own time and energy into um and you know i i think one of the things i said to you before the show was and i i, I hear people talking about well you know why isn't this event coming back like i want that event back more than most Right. It's, it's a, it's a really, um, you know, it's, it's something I deeply care about, um, is, is building these spaces that, that people can, can, can gather in. And, um, you know, I, I agree with a lot of the, um, uh, what's in this public health pledge, um, especially, uh, you know, that, that, that first point of, um, you know, requirements will only be strengthened, right? Um, this is a thing that's uh, become, uh, I, I don't have a, a you know, a, a lot of data on this, but uh, enough of a trend that it's noticeable, which is um, events have been doing things like, oh, well, refund window just closed. And by the way, we no longer require masks. Mm. Right? And, and, and that's a uh, really uh you know hostile thing to 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 do to your um your your attendees um not to mention i mean uh i'm i'm not a lawyer but uh, i i would i would definitely argue that uh there was some amount of uh of of you know contractual uh agreement that's changed here right i i i said that uh, I would I would come to your event because you know here are the things that you've listed out and you're doing, um, and now you've you've changed that after the refund refund has, uh, or the refund window has closed. So, you know I have a bunch of issues with events that are doing that. Mm. Um, uh, you know, in, the same way I would with things like, um. You know, if 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 you list, you know, here are the the kinds of uh, you know dietary restrictions we accommodate. Oh, and by the way, now we're only serving, uh, you know, one kind of food that that excludes a bunch of people. Right? It's yeah. uh, it's just not the it's not a thing I would do as an organizer, um, and and it's not a thing I think anyone should be doing. Um, yeah. And, and and so that's a that's a huge part of it. Uh, to me is right, people keep on touting this whole thing of you know ev- everyone can make their own personal choices about uh, what kind of safety precautions they want to take uh, and that isn't true once people change the terms of the, of an event right maybe I've booked travel maybe I've booked a hotel and I can't get all of these uh, the the these fees back um after after doing that uh, e- even if you're 
your refund window hasn't closed and I can get a refund on my ticket. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that's the only cost involved in attending an event. Uh, and, and, you know, in addition uh, to all of that, there, there are a lot of people that uh, participate in events that don't have, uh, don't have the choice to just say, okay, well, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, right. There are, there are people that work events. There are people that, um, people that sponsor events, people that speak at events for their job. Right. So when these things change out from under them, um, uh, you know, it, it puts them in a really tight spot. Uh, and, and I think that is particularly unfortunate. Um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned folks that are not like that. I don't want to say that don't have a choice, but like folks that are, suggesting, Hey, I want to go to this conference. I want to speak at this conference. And then like all of a sudden you're doing all the work and they're putting in travel and things are being you know provided by their company. And I mean, I'm a developer advocate. So like, that's my job is to, you know, a portion of that is to speak at conferences and to be strategic about what conferences that I want to go to. Um, so yeah, having that change out from under me, like that might actually go against like my company policies of like, Hey, you're only, like we have a policy in place that says, you know, we only speak at conferences that have a code of conduct. That would be like if all of a sudden I'm like going to this event and they're like, we decided to do away with the code of conduct this year, folks. And like, you know, obviously you you hear that and you'd be like, well, that's silly. No one would do that. But when your code of conduct and your, you know, health and safety policy should have pretty equal weight. Um, we actually have a question from chat. Uh, hi, Jessica. It says, uh, did PyCon release any information about what compliance was like from asking or how many cases um, seem to have resulted potentially from the event? So I'm guessing this is from, um, this will be, yeah, from this past PyCon. Um, yeah, I, so so they did. I have the, the uh, PyCon US 2022 transparency report um, pulled up on my side here, but, uh, and Jay, I'll share it with you so you can, uh, you can share it with the crowd. Um, uh, the, the, uh, the the gist here is that uh, yeah, PyCon US um, included questions about uh, COVID testing in uh, in their host event survey, uh, and yeah. and if you scroll to the bottom of that, um, there's there's some information about the summary of uh, reported COVID cases. Um, so uh, there were a, a handful of people uh, who. Who tested positive after uh, after the event? I was and, one of them. I just want to throw that out there that yeah. like I was I was one of those people that tested positive. And I'm also going to uh, you know contextualize this by saying like all of these numbers are minimum, right? Yeah. Um, these are people that filled out the survey. These are people that filled out the survey and felt you know comfortable and and like it was a good idea to share this information with the the organizers of PyCon, right? Um, now, if you compare this to uh, other events, right? There was a uh, an event uh, that happened uh, a little bit after PyCon US, um, where there were like an order of magnitude more people uh, ended up getting COVID, and and I don't know the exact scale there, but I don't think that event was ten times the size of PyCon US. Yeah. Um, and so uh, PyCon US did have uh, some people test positive. Of- uh, for for COVID, yeah. um, from my 
uh, recollection uh, as, as someone who wasn't there in person. And Jay, you can probably speak to this better. Um, yeah. The the mask enforcement was, uh, you know, on the better side of things. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very much people were were actively looking. You know, there there wasn't kind of a hey, you know, put your mask back on, put your mask. Like it wasn't it, there was none of that. Everyone had a mask on. Um, I mean, I think they said they had a, a few instances where they had to remind people. But, uh, you know, we were talking about this earlier, that only entails when you're at the conference. So, you know, there was there was definitely a lunch that I went to where, you know, we're outside, we're walking to a, a place to eat. Nobody's wearing a mask. We get to the restaurant. Nobody's wearing a mask. Uh, several dinners in which that happens, even, you know, vendor sponsored happy hours and things like that, which if I'm if I'm looking at the timing and who reported to me that they tested positive, you know, I can kind of pinpoint where I may have gotten it from, um, you know, not with any level of certainty, but like I was standing in line unmasked next to a person at a, you know, vendor sponsored happy hour. And then that's the first person I hear that says they tested positive and it was a few days before I tested positive. So like if I if I put the the all the the yarn and the the pins in the board, it seems like that's where it came from. But uh, you know, again, PyCon can only do so much. And well, you know, just the fact that they they are even able to just say that we're going to do this much to me is good. Like we're gonna do what we can. We can't obviously do everything i mean there are some like i think wwdc like when they do like private entrance like you have to test like every day and provide a negative test even django con like you had to provide a negative test at the door like within so so many hours before the event you had to put it in share my health and if share my health hadn't approved it yet you had to show them the test so it's like it's a level of like care that goes in so I'm I'm interested in the pledge, the pledge portion itself. Like, do you think that the pledge is, you know, too strict to and, and I'm as I'm reading this, um, the rule of minimizing the number of participants who are infected by requiring vaccines, including boosters, to me that means that PyCon US does not qualify for this. Because well, they specifically say they're not requiring specific boosters due to availability and timing. Yeah, so I think that uh, there are a lot of nuances that haven't been fleshed out in this yet and need to be, uh, right? Because when you say, um, right, these these specific booster requirements, um, you know, PyCon US uh, used to just be called PyCon, uh, and even though it's called PyCon US, uh, it's it's still probably the, you know, the the Python conference that has the most international travel associated with it. Yeah. Um, and right uh, here, you know, in 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 New York, um, the boosters were only uh, you know, pretty recently available. Um, and when you're when you're going to say, well, nobody can attend. Uh, these events, if they don't have the same availability uh, of of vaccine boosters um, as a 
you know, a particular state in the United States, um, that's th that becomes at odds with a lot of other things that the the Python community really tries to push. Yeah. Um, right. So you can't just exclude uh, parts of the world uh, because they, they they don't have as much access to uh, to, to booster vaccines as um, you know other you know specific regions of the U.S. Yeah. Um, another thing that's that's difficult about this is right. There's this isn't this isn't coming from um, public health experts. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm told that, uh, you know, there, there's, there's some work on that front of, of mm -hmm. getting, uh, getting people with, with expertise to, to really weigh in here. But, um, you know, New York's different from California, different from, uh, you know, countries all over the world. So, so these aren't things that I think that can be, uh, necessarily globally applied, right? Um, especially because, yeah. um, you know, there there were some some additional discussions recently about why PyCon hosts, uh, why why PyCon US hosts events where they do, right? And <laughs> see see my keynote at DjangoCon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and so there, there there's a lot to be talked about here. Um, there's also, um, you know, PyCon US has uh some amount of actual staff right um yeah. most uh right, most events that you know in the in the class of the the types that i work on right are uh you know we we usually use the term community events right and and this means they're pretty much entirely volunteer run um and right this no questions asked refund policy um you know that might mean that the, uh, you know, deposits that someone's paid, um, right, right off the bat, uh, now have to come out of an individual's pocket, uh, yeah. and and so this is a, uh, I, I very much agree with right, the spirit of we need to make these events safe, yeah, um, and and a lot of these fall in line with the things that uh, I am personally looking for in an event. Uh, but I do think that uh, some, somewhere, uh, if, if you look uh, down below, I think right above the signatories there, there's a mention of an organizer um, organizer guide. Yeah. I think that we're going to need, you know, that's not going to be a small document, right? Um, and, and it's going to require contributions from a lot of people in a lot of places because it's it's just... Uh, you know, th this this as written, I think, is these are uh, like suggestions. Too short to. <laughs> well, but it doesn't say they're suggestions, right? Um, I mean, there's there's like a you know, it would be incomplete without an overview of types of active measures that they they can take. I, I don't think it's saying, you know, you have to do these. Uh, I think that they're mostly just saying like, do things. Uh, and and I agree with you on the the point of like like PyCon has or I guess the PSF has lawyers like or a, at least a lawyer they have contracts that might like require them to be like well 
maybe we can't enforce this. Like we have a contract with this policy. Like we have to abide by the rules of, of, you know, whatever the venue is. And if the venue says you don't have to do this, now you've got individuals that are in conflict. Like, I mean, I think about EuroPython. Um, when we went to EuroPython, they had like the venue itself had staff available that were assisting people in finding what rooms to go to that were, you know, ultimately a form of security. Um, you know, they're walking around with walkie talkies talking about, oh, you know, something happened in this, in this foyer or whatever. So when you, when you have that, are you going to train all of their staff to be like, well, these, these are the rules that need to apply. And, you know, that might work in one place, but not work in another. Um, and I think that we, we have some good comments from chat, uh, that talks about, you know, again, from Jessica that says there's so much nuance here with how events can be run, uh, and keeping everyone safe. And, and like you said, you know, ultimately we have to wait for things to kind of evolve. Um, and then Mason, and I'm kind of glad of like the folks that we have in chat are actually people who have also had some experience in participating in and organizing conferences. Um, but Mason saying that he believes that uh, the pledge is limited to, you know, just kind of the white box and then everything else is kind of a, hey, let's let's continue to learn and do more. Um, and and that's that, in my opinion, is like the hardest part about pledges like this. You know, we talked about this offline and I said, you know, I can't sign this because I might be asked to do a thing for work that doesn't follow this policy. And now I'm, you know, stuck between, you know, working with my employer or, you know, going to a, a and participating in an event. And I get the I get the sentiment and I get the the value of having the sentiment there and the value of doing something like this. And I think that in order for it to grow and develop, it needs to be done in conjunction with conferences, big and small. And well, good. Uh, well, so uh I, I think that there's also right individuals signing this uh, is, is I, I think the stage where we're at that's that's the names you're going to see on that page. But um, you know, at the end of the day, the the thing that's going to decide this is what um, you know corporate sponsors and events themselves are 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 going to put in place, right? If yeah. Uh, you know, if, if an individual signs this, uh, and then right their employer sponsors another event, uh, that, that, that doesn't comply with these things, um, you know, you're, you're, you're missing, like there's a, there's a gap there. Um, and yeah. until, uh, you know, as, as, as much as I would love to say events are, are totally free to run and uh, and and don't incur you know personal costs for for the people who put them on. Um, that that's, it's it's not true. Um, events can often be pretty expensive, uh, and it's difficult to uh, to to run events without um, you know w w without outside money involved, and for this to become like really enforceable. Uh, it's it's going to end up uh, kind of falling on. Well, what's ending up in in sponsorship agreements, um, or uh, you know, if if you're running an event without sponsors, um, you know that then then you have a whole other conversation around uh, pricing uh, 
in, in order to make something uh, affordable to all the attendees you want to be able to accept. Um, so yeah. th there's, there's, there's a ton of nuance here. Um, you know, Jay, you and I, and a bunch of other folks have talked for uh, literally hundreds of hours at this point on uh, what goes into running an event and, uh, and, and kind of some of the, uh, the behind the scenes truths that are, that are a little, um, you know, often hidden away from, from attendees. So, you know, I, you, you said, right. Your, your, uh, your job involves speaking at, at events that, that might, uh, you know, prevent you from signing this. Um, a lot of other people have similar jobs, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, uh, you know, as a as a conference organizer, a lot of people in those jobs go to a lot of events, right? So um, that that's uh, there, there's an there, there's a significant overlap there between right the, the the people whose job it is to speak at events and the people who speak at events. Yeah, and I I definitely agree with you on the point of like at at some point this is more focused on encouraging conferences to do, I guess, more actively towards providing these, these sentiments. And, and again, like people signing the page is only going to say, well, I can guarantee that, you know, this number of people, you know, the, this group of people will not be at my conference if I don't do these things. And I think as that number grows, I and, and I encourage people that if you can and you feel like you're in a position to where you can, you know, sign sign the document. Like, I, I agree that health and safety policy should definitely exist. I agree that we should be doing things to mitigate all, all of the different uh, vectors of transmissible diseases. I mean... I, I am on record of being like, anytime I fly on a plane, I'm wearing a mask, not because I don't, you know, I'm worried about catching COVID. I'm, I'm just don't like the idea of sitting in a box where the air is being recycled and people coughing all around me. So like there, there's just like, I, I am pro masking even non, non pandemic areas, but I didn't start doing it until something like this happened. And now that it's happened, like I will hopefully want to do that more often, but I can definitely understand as I went to an event uh, earlier this week, and I think we were talking about this, it literally, I think it was the same day as this event, and I, I, it was the first time I'd ever gone to this meetup, and I had no idea what to expect, and when I got there, like there was like one person wearing a mask and I was like, Oh, well see now there's like this peer pressure thing of like, am I going to wear a mask? And I'm like hanging out outside talking to people for a while. But once we went in and sat down, yeah, I put my mask on. So I think that we don't as, as conference organizers, as meetup organizers, as you know, user groups and all those things, you don't want to be the reason that someone gets sick, obviously, but you also don't want to be the person that feels like they pressured, you know, someone into making a decision that they were uncomfortable making. And ultimately those people, they just don't show up. So it's better for you to just say, you know what, we're going to do everything in our power to make, make it as safe for everybody. And I mean, this goes way back. This goes all the way to like removing phrases from like, 
tech jargon such as blacklist, whitelist, master, and like slave. Like, sure. At the end of the day, their words, do the words physically hurt somebody? I don't know. I can't answer that. Will it make people feel more comfortable contributing? Absolutely. Therefore, it's probably in the best interest of the person to just adopt the new thing in this case being those health and safety guidelines, because it's going to make people feel more comfortable. Yeah. And, and I think the, the, the big thing here is that this is the beginning of this work. Yeah. Right. This isn't okay. Here are the pledges online and, and now we've done it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and, and the organizers behind this, right. Um, know this as well. Right. This isn't, um, th th this isn't okay. It's, it's finished and now we can move on. Right? <laughs> We've solved the problem folks. We can leave. <laughs> right. This We're is good. now we build out organizer guides. Now mm -hmm. we figure out how to, um, you know, communicate these things to sponsors and get those in, uh, and, 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 and get these kinds of agreements in place as part of sponsorship agreements. Because, you know, if, if you've ever worked with a, uh, a, a sponsor um, for for an event. There are a lot of things that come into play. They're like, okay, you your event has to meet these uh, you know these types of guidelines. Um, usually, that's code of conduct um, and uh, you know a handful of other um, you know requirements that are part of running a good event in general. Um, but you know there there's there's much much more ahead of the road here. Um, yeah. it's, it's not, okay, we all signed the thing and now, now events are perfect. It's, this is a, uh, a, a way to begin talking about what do events look like, uh, you know, going forward, mm. um, right. Both in person, virtual hybrid, um, how does the, 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 conversation around sponsorship and um and, and and like foundational backing work uh right there's there's so much uh to continue this conversation about and and i think that's where uh, a lot of the things i'm seeing are missing the mark a little bit yeah uh w which is right okay well you know event X doesn't comply with these, these requirements. Well, those requirements were published, uh, you know, a year and a half after event X got all of its, uh, all of its guidelines in place. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so, right. Th this is, I think a starting point for some of the work that needs to be done to, to continue building an event uh, an event in a safe way mm -hmm. and not a way to um to to start saying well uh you know th this event doesn't doesn't comply right because yeah. you know i've said this about a bunch of events like i wasn't going to uh these events that are that are changing their their masking policies at the last minute anyway this isn't it has nothing to do with this pledge. It's just not, not what, uh, you know, what I would, 
what I would participate in. Yeah. Um, but there's there's so much that that's involved here with all of the organizational bodies that are behind these events, and you know, at the end of the day, most of those are people again doing these things on a on a volunteer basis in their in their spare time. So um, when when it's like, hey, here's how we think you should be. Uh, defining policies around your events um there there has to be a lot more uh guidance and like you know who do who do i hire in order to uh to to get me on that right track because i don't i don't do my own catering for events i don't do my own av for events right there's there are a ton of vendors that that a lot of people uh don't necessarily think about in the context of, of holding an event with hundreds or thousands of people. Um, they need to hire the health and safety consultants. I mean, yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, there, there are consultants for all sorts of different things. And um, I wouldn't pretend to know how to, uh, to, to run a health and safety program, uh, you know, from the ground up. Well, I, I wanted to ask you, and and we can we can kind of button it up on on this one too. Is you know one of the things that they talk about is this this organizing guide and things like that, and they also promote this idea of making sure you have alternative ways to participate in the conference. And I know that this is a thing that you've talked you've thought a lot about with the idea of like what is what does a good hybrid conference look like? Are we any closer to that? Because I mean. A lot of this is predicated on if if for some reason you're upset with wearing a mask or if for some reason you test positive or you know you need an immediate refund, you're now relegated to a subpar experience. And and that that's been a thing that we've talked about a lot on this show of just like who who is doing hybrid conferences right? Where's the guides on how to do this? What are the things that people are doing? Do you think that having documents like this or or initiatives like this is that only part of the battle is like the other half, like we really need to figure out what this hybrid model actually looks like. Um, and then also what is the infrastructure? What is the cost for that to be in place? Cause I mean, I feel like at the end of the day, if, if just telling people well, like, yeah, you're going to miss out on this and you're going to miss out on all the fun too bad. That's just going to drive people away from not going to conferences. It's so I, I've said this to a bunch of people before, um, and, and, and I've said it as a complete non sequitur. So, you know, if you, if you've met me, we may have, you, you may have had me just like interrupt you mid sentence to, to, to chime in about this. We've had, you know, many, many decades of experience of running industry events like this, right? Um, we, we don't have that same thing in the context of, you know, online only or uh, hybrid events. It's just, um, you know, a lot of these uh, uh, sorts of, you know, playbooks um, exist, uh, even if they're not explicitly written down, uh, you know, on uh, building on in the experience of people who have done this over and over and over again. Mm. Um, and we're very early on uh, in in the world of running hybrid and online events, um, even you know even events that have been around, right? 
we're still talking, um, you know, a, a, a decently small number of years, uh, right. Compared to, you know, if you go, if you go in and, and you look at right industry events, um, in, in various industries have existed for, uh, for, for a very long time predating the internet. Right. So, um, just by necessity there there's not a there's not a way that we could have this much experience um no. so it's going to take time it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of uh you know cooperation amongst organizers to to figure out how to do things right um and the same goes for the health and safety measures right um it's it's a it's a matter of you know we're we're going to go and we're going to figure out how to do some things right. And in the process, we're going to do some things wrong too, just because that's, that's how the world works. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's, uh, DrangoCon US recently, um, right. Had, had an event and you mentioned some of the, uh, the testing and masking policies there. Uh, I don't think they've published any, um, any information about uh, any any uh, COVID positive uh, tests like after the fact yet? Um, so uh, I, I think I think that remains to be seen. But that's the kind of thing that we're going to need to see going forward, right? PyCon posted, uh, you know, here's how many people uh, got COVID, um, and you know, one one of the uh, I, I think one of the things you'll uh, you'll probably see going forward is uh, yes, some people got COVID. We don't know where, we don't know yeah. when, right? Um, it was throughout the course of this event, uh, but beyond that, we don't have more detail, and and yeah. that's probably going to be, um, you know, a, a difficult point to to continue to track down. But I mean, I I feel like well, well, a few things. One, I feel like that conferences a lot of a lot of folks are like oh well you know i got you know i got i i feel like i tested i got covid at a event that was brought up by you know that was from a sponsor so for me it was like i feel like is there not anything that pycon could have been like of hey if you do an event on behalf of you know hey welcome to pycon we're doing this happy hour we want you to learn more about us that event also needs to follow the same rules. I mean, is there, is there anything that they can do to enforce that? Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, you can, you can make sponsorship decisions based on that, right. You can say, yeah. uh, uh, you bake that into your contracts, but, um, is it easy? No. Um, and, and, and I think that they're, you know, it, 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 I'm going to sound like a broken record here. This is going to take time. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take well, time figuring out how, you know, how we go about doing these things. Uh, I, and, you know, go ahead. I want to push back a little bit on the, it'll take time. But before I do that, we do have, uh, you know, noted, noted conference extraordinaire, PSF, DSF, DEFNA, like all the things, Jeff Triplett. Uh, who is also one of the organizers for DjangoCon, said that they plan to post something after they hear back from attendees. Um, one week out isn't close; is too close to say what worked. You know, get all that information collected. 
Um, but the thing I want to push back on on the it'll take time is it'll take as much time as pressure dictates. Um, one of the things that I notice really easily is like every conference that I personally go to now allows people to go to the bathroom of their choosing or the restroom of their choosing, you know, regardless of what they're assigned at birth gender is. One thing that I appreciated at JengaCon, which is such a small little detail, they had like easy, easy grab over the counter medicine that included hygiene kits that included like things like tampons and pads in both restrooms. And these are things that nobody, nobody had to like threaten them. I'm not going to this. It was, it was an act of kindness. And and I feel like, yes, in terms of like making hybrid models better, will take infrastructure time. I, I feel like the more pressure that is put on the decision makers to figure it out, the faster they will learn and the faster that I, they will adapt. So, uh, I mean, two, two responses there. Um, one is, uh, my point is not that it takes time for people to learn how to be kind. Um, <laughs> yeah. like it's, it, it, it does not take time to go to a, uh, you know, a drugstore and get a bunch of uh, you know, supplies that that can be readily available to to attendees. Yeah. Um, it does absolutely take time to figure out uh, what practices work to prevent the spread of a disease. Right? This is not uh, again. I... I'm not a I'm not a public health expert, um, and the people who are have continually you know, updated their guidelines around how, how to, uh, you know, how, how to exist in public spaces, um, in, in, in the world of, of an ongoing pandemic. Yeah. Um, and in, in that I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I agree with you on the, like, yes, the, the world hasn't figured it out and it's been a few years We're we're, we're working yeah. on that, but I mean more of the, the technical aspects of it, the, the things that make conferences, feel as if okay if i'm having to do the virtual because i got sick or because i'm not comfortable going in person i'm not being sold a a you know a subpar product i think the faster and the more pressure that we put on conferences to share that information share what works don't bottle it up like that's the thing that aggravates me because we are the people that go to these meetups, which I want you to plug um, before we go to the last topic. But like, you know, we're in there like trying to share in our little tiny community of like, hey, we went to this conference. They did this thing. That could be something we, we were talking about, like uh, Mason, one of the people in chat, I think that was that was talking about the pledge, had this great idea of like, let's set up an open space at PyCon and use you know, Zoom so that people could feel like they were included. And it was like, we're doing these little things and saying, oh, we should make sure that we have, you know, 360 cameras and things like that. And and HDMI splitters, like every conference I go to, you have people in the, the expo hall and the vendors and the conference organizers talking to each other there, but it's not trickling up to the larger conferences that are actually going to move that needle, that are going to create you know, oh, hey, this is the demand that we have. We are willing to pay people significant amounts of money to solve this problem. 
And I think that's what's preventing folks from going in and saying, you know what, we are actually going to dedicate time and actual effort into solving this problem. So I absolutely agree that uh, all of this is underfunded, underprioritized. Um, but I'm, I'm going to just throw out a phrase here uh, that I think will resonate with a lot of people listening uh, that, that, that illustrates my point that it's still going to take time, no matter how, mu how, mu how many resources you put behind something doesn't mean you're going to uh, end up with the, the correct answer right away. And you know what? Your mic's muted. <laughs> how many times have you heard that <laughs> over the past three years? Your mic's muted because, uh, you know, we've been doing Zoom calls and, and Hangouts and, and the 75 other chat platforms I use it on a day-to-day -day basis uh, for, for years on end, and still people have your mics muted problems, right? So, um, you know, a, a lot of that stuff is, uh, you know, one, not even available at the moment, right? Um, even if you're, even if you're working on uh, well-established platforms, there, there are still, still issues that make it more difficult to attend something virtually. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, I know, I know we're running pretty short on time here, but um, we end up having the um, the the this issue of kind of by its nature, right? It's easier to get distracted in uh, the context of I'm attending an event virtually, right? I'm um, I'm attending an event from. Uh, you know, my my laptop or my desktop, as opposed to being physically put in a space with someone else. And um, most of the time, people are not going to make the same kind of uh, same kind of arrangements to be, you know, as one hundred percent focused on um, on 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 an event they're you know they're trying to attend unless they've, uh, you know, traveled to a space where that's the only thing they can do. Um, yeah. So there, there's, uh, there, there's plenty we don't know yet. Uh, and, and there's going to be a lot of effort needed building out, right. Guides and tooling and uh, best practices to share with other people on how you actually make an event workable. Uh, Cause it's, it's, it's not trivial. It, it just isn't. Yeah. Um, kind of a follow-up on that from Jeff. No one's pulled off a good hybrid yet um, to know what it looks like. Um, you know, and, and they the DjangoCon did not bad and gave other conferences something to learn from. Um, so yeah, it is it is fair to say it's going to take time. And I and again, I agree that it will take time, but I think that the amount of time is variable to how much information we're sharing and how much we're investing in in doing that, which. Uh, speaking of take time, um, I want to take two two cracks at that um, segue. One, uh, if you have some time, we actually uh, often meet up in uh, this wonderful Discord channel that, uh, uh, John, I believe you started a long time ago. Um, I'll say a long time ago. It was a few years ago. Uh, called Conference Organizer uh, Chats. And uh, you can go to conferencechats.org, which I should have. I uh, made a banner for that. There we go. I did. It's right here. Conferencechats.org. If you're an organizer, a conference organizer, a meetup organizer, and you just want, you want, or maybe you're just interested in getting involved in one more, 
Um, that's why I joined uh, a few years ago now. And uh, I wanted to become more knowledgeable in organizing conferences and understanding what you know those organizers were in need of uh, because I have my own dreams of doing a conference one day. Uh, if any of that sounds you know relative to what you're hoping to accomplish in, in your goals, then conferencechats.org is a place you can go. You can sign up for the Discord there. Uh, I'm in there, John's in there, we're all talking, we're having a good time, we're sharing uh, some of the news that you might see you know, being brought up in the show. But I mean, ultimately, anyone that does conferences is, is welcome to join. Um, in fact, we encourage learning from other groups and organizations, not just the Python community. Uh, and then I did want to also bring up quickly, because I think it, it is important to highlight that uh, there was recently a post that came out uh, from Bleeping Computer regarding uh, a lot of fake uh, proof of concept exploits that involve malware. Um, I can't go into too much detail because I'm not a security expert. Uh, one day we will have a security expert on the show to, to talk about those things. But ultimately, there was some really good guidance at the end, which I will just use to remind people um, if I can get to the end that, you know, ultimately be careful. Um, if you're trying to show somebody a proof of concept and it's on GitHub, make sure it's on a repo that you trust, make sure it's from an organizer that you trust or a maintainer that you trust. And if the code is too confusing, um, like, oh, this is, this is complicated, then test it out in an isolated environment that is away from your network. Um, and then also report these things. GitHub is, is, they already are aware of this, but you have to think there are, uh, what, what did it say? Did it say thousands? Yes, thousands. Um, they have to go in and vet and make sure that all of these things are are what they are. They have to add them to a block list. They have to do all these things. So, you know, 1,069 of them were present in just one database. Um, and then, again, 150,000 unique IPs extracted, you know, almost 3,000 block list entries, 1500 malicious antivirus scans and things like that. These things continue to get to pop up. They're going to work on them. Uh, I think John, if, if we've learned anything today, it takes time. Um, so while GitHub is doing their thing, make sure you're doing your thing to also, you know, try to be safe and, and make sure you're not exposing your system to, you know, known exploits. Um, that said, I think we've only got one conference this week, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Tell us about the conference. So I thought I had it in here. Maybe I don't. Um, this is wrong window. There we go. So yeah, we actually have one conference for uh, it's a, a in the PyData series. It's actually PyData. Um, I cannot pronounce the name. Uh, I'm going to do a terrible job at this yet again. Um, it's Eindhoven in Sweden. And the CFP is open for a few more days. Uh, the CFP actually ends on November 2nd. If I, yep, November 2nd here. I'm not sure if that's anywhere on earth or if that is uh, local to uh, their time zone. But talks for 30 minutes with the Q&A. They actually provide some really good tips on how to write a successful proposal. Uh, be sure to go check this out if you're interested or you're in the area as well. Um, 
John, this is this has been a, a really good episode. I'm I'm excited for what's going to happen next week as more and more people are using Python 3.11. People are finding uh, new things out there, and of course, we'll always try to keep an eye out for the the most important news that you know people should know about. Yeah, I think we are we are over time, so I appreciate everybody listening along, uh, both in live stream and on the podcast. Uh, and uh, as a reminder, we have a, a version of this that is just the facts. Um, so if you want to listen to that, uh, hit up pythoncommunitynews.com. Uh, you can find links to uh, all of these these live streams, uh, as well as our, our weekly brief there. Um, so uh, Jay, I think that's, that's all for this week, yeah? Yeah. Uh, if we missed a topic that you're passionate about and you want to tell us, you can head over to our, our GitHub repo. Um, it's github.com slash python dash community dash news slash topics. From there, you can submit a topic or a conference and we will make sure that you get all the credit unless you don't want it. And then we'll be sure to keep you anonymous. But that's going to do it for this week. Uh, I've been Jay. I've been John. And this has been the Python Community News.